Welcome to you all, those in Vincennes and Princeton and uh, all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day. Glad that you're joining us today. Uh, I just recently discovered in 1972 is when this holiday came into existence in the United States, where it became a kind of federal holiday where it was like, hey, we're going to celebrate dads on this day at this time of the year. And so I'm like, that's not, that's, that doesn't seem like that long ago. It doesn't seem that that old of a holiday to me, and had me kind of looking back and researching a little bit like, well, who else does this? Who else celebrates dad? Who else a, a day on the calendar that's placard that says, we're just going to celebrate dads today? And what I discovered is every single nation in the world has a day where they celebrate dads. And that kind of had me concluding like, well, when did this all begin? How did this all start? And there's a lot of like ideas about when it started and how it began, but really, since the beginning of culture, societies have said, let's honor dad in some way. Let's honor, let's honor our fathers in some kind of way, whether that's a celebration or a festival or maybe a holiday of some kind. And I think that stems all the way back from this idea that within us, we recognize that there's, there's a relationship with a dad that is so needed and so desired that have, is like kind of wired into each of our hearts as, as children. And the Bible comes right out in, in, in Exodus chapter 20. It's part of the Ten Commandments. And here's what it says that God asks us to do. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live a long life in the land your God has given you. Honor them so that you can live a long, a long life. And one of the commandments of God is just this. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai after meeting with God, he came down with those Ten Commandments, a tablet in one hand, and a tablet, another five on one, five on the other. First tablet was all about the way we could relate to God and how we could love God best. And that second tablet, the last five of the Ten Commandments, is about how we can relate to others and how we can get our relationships right. And the first way is we, we need to get our relationships right when it comes to our parents. And I think for some of us, we're like, yeah, that, that's pretty easy because my parents have always been good to me and they've always been awesome. But some of us are like, you know, there's not a lot of, a, there's not a lot of feelings there. I don't have a whole lot of affection for my father in, in some ways. And it's really hard maybe for, for some of you to even think of some memories that are good memories when it comes to dad or maybe even mom. So how do you honor them when, when they haven't always been good to you? And that word honor has a lot of more meaning than just like, let's lift them high and give them respect. It means that we're going to care for them. It means that we're going to uh, obey them. It, it, just, it has so much more connotation than just let's give them respect and let's give them an honor of a day. Um, but may I say to you, if you're in this room and you're a believer, we, we can find some way to honor dad today. We can find some way to honor a parent today. It, 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 just, it doesn't matter what that background is. It doesn't matter where the home life you had come from. I think as believers who have found forgiveness in, in God the Father, we, we, can, we can extend forgiveness to maybe an absent father. As believers who have shown an incredible love, an, an, an unfathomable love uh, from a father in heaven, we can maybe do our best to show that same kind of love to a father that maybe didn't live up to the expectations that we had of them or had completely abandoned us. And I, I think Unfortunately, there are parents that have added an extra burden to some kids' lives because they didn't live up to the high standards of God. And that grieves God. You need to know that, that that grieves God when we, as parents, don't live up to his high standards that he has set for us to lead our households, to love on our children, and to prepare them for the future that they have here on earth and the future that they have for all of eternity. And this last week, I was trying to figure out, like, how important are fathers? How important are dads? Because last week, 
You know, some, some people thought I made a very controversial statement last week, which I thought, I thought that was interesting, when I said that the father is the most important relationship that we have on earth. You were like, whoa, whoa, I don't understand that. And, and then we threw out some studies from the University of Santa Barbara that talks about the father effect and how that plays into our psyche and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I got this wrong, right? So like some of you had me rethinking and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's not. And so I did some Google searches. I searched like, you know, our father's needed. That was Google search number one, our father's needed. Because right now, I think the world kind of is saying right now, we can do without him, like we've done without him. If you look back at our demographics in the United States, like there's, there's some areas, segments of society right now that have done without fathers uh, for like almost 60 years. They've raised children in their society without fathers for almost 60 years. And then I put it, is the father effect fake? And I was trying to find some kind of you know, research that would kind of support the fact that we don't need dads. And what I found was more and more overwhelming conclusions to the fact that dads are so important to the life of children. Even dads that barely spend time with their kids are important. It had to go in deeper than that. And I was like, okay, then what, what does that mean? Like how, how do dads shape our life? How do they mold us? And I found out this, that, that mothers mold Mothers are the ones that mold, but it's fathers that help to sharpen. And uh, so here's what I found. Our, our relationship with our dad deeply shapes who we are and who we become. And that, that became my conclusion to my research last week. And, and here's how it shapes us. I just want to give you, these are broad strokes, okay? These are generalities, how, how a dad shapes and sharpens. But he shapes our emotional IQ. And that's a, a term that means that it, it lets us, he, he helps us to develop how to relate to the world, how to keep our emotions intact and, and when to use our emotions and, and so that our emotions don't get the better of us. Just basically how to better manage our emotions. That, that's shaped and sharpened by your father. Isn't that interesting? Number two, how to shape our future for our relationships. This, this, was, this, this just blew me away. That our friends lovers, spouses will all be chosen. Did you catch that? Will all be chosen, the preacher says, based on how a child perceives the meaning of their relationship with his or her father. Like we're building relationships, our past ones right now and future ones based on the relationship that we had with our dads and how we perceive that relationship. It shapes our confidence. I thought this was big. A father's influence of expressing value and love to their children helps to boost the confidence and increase the ability to resist peer pressure. But check this out. This is, this is huge, especially in a world that is constantly saying, just, just do what we tell you to do and don't think about it. A father helps to shape and to sharpen a kid to say, I know what the culture is doing. You don't have to do what the culture does. Isn't that amazing? Like a father shapes and sharpens and says, I know everyone is going downstream. Here's an oar. You can paddle upstream. You can have a different opinion. I thought that was remarkable that you can have some kind of constructive criticism to popular opinion. And a father instills that within their kid. Here's the last thing. It shapes our perception of the future. This, this is awesome. A father's presence adds security to today's and tomorrow's problems. Did you catch that? A father's presence... Just the presence of a dad adds security to a child's todays and tomorrows and the problems and the evils that exist in this world. Meaning that a father's just presence is like to say, you don't need to fear tomorrow. You don't need to fear the future because there can be some security. There's hope. Just the father's presence. And all those things added up and said, listen, mom, you can do good things in trying to you know, bring those traits to your kids, but a dad sharpens those things up and really tones those things within their children when they're around. Guys, I can go, 
I can go on and on and on about the research. And, and the reason why I'm coming down so hard on this is because I really believe that there's an attack on fatherhood in the United States. And I think, I think that just comes right from the pits of hell because I think if Satan can start to knock out the father, he can ruin our perception of what a father is. And when we lose our perception of what a, a father is, we, we, we don't care about that heavenly father. And when we hear the word father or dad, it kind of like bends the truth about what it really is. And we go, well, my father on earth wasn't very good and I didn't need him around. And why do I need my heavenly father? And I think if Satan can attack the foundations of fatherhood, he can start destroying the family. And dads, listen, there's an incredible hope for us today. Incredible hope for us today that we can start living out a legacy for our kids and a legacy for our household that doesn't abandon our children, that does the best that we can, regardless of what water has passed under the bridge. We can ask for forgiveness. We can find forgiveness. We can move forward and we can start being the father that God calls us to be. And we can do that because God's Holy Spirit rests within us. There is hope for you today as a dad. There's hope for your family, regardless of what things have passed underneath the bridge. There is hope for you because we have a God that specializes in doing something new within us. He can take ashes and turn them into beauty. That's our God. And last week I got approached. I got approached by a couple of single mothers that I absolutely love. And so I gave them my ear and listened to every word they had to say as they were in tears because they didn't have a father figure in their home for their children. And it broke my heart. One mother was divorced and the father was absentee and now has moved away, lives out of state and never talks to the children at all. As a matter of fact, the mother had said, at times, he even seems to try to derail the children's life the best he can out of spite. And I've been uh, a part of that um, scenario for a long time. I, I know her situation, and we've been praying over that situation for like a decade, and, and I know that to be true. And, and then another lady who got a hold of me, father or mother of five, whose husband passed away from COVID-related uh, uh, um, stuff and... and um, and now she's left trying to, to mother and to parent these kids at a young age. And they were both like saying in, in their response to me, hey, we admit we can't add the traits that a father adds, but what do we do now? What do we do now? Like, are, here's what they were really saying. Do our kids have any hope? Because like you doubled down on all this father stuff. And they were like, now what? Do our kids have hope? And my answer to you is yes, absolutely they do. And I'm in awe of those ladies and I'm in awe of mothers. And this is why we always elevate mothers is because mothers, you, you, you know how to pull double duty. You know how to add an extra burden to your life. And somehow you're able not only to mold, you have a ability to shape. And I think sometimes there is an unfair, an unneeded burden that's added to you when there's an absentee father. But for whatever reason, God has wired you up to pull that off. Um, but you know, it's very difficult. You know, it's very difficult. And that's not the way that God had wanted your household to be, but but it can be done. And that's why I think, I think why, I think why single mothers have done so well. And you never, hear about, you never hear about mothers abandoning their family. Very rarely do you ever hear that. But you hear about fathers abandoning their family. It's because mothers have this nurturing instinct about them to raise their children and to protect their children when they're young that fathers don't seem to have. And mothers, if, if you're a single parent in the room and there's not a father figure in the home, may I give you the advice that I gave to those two women? You need to be connected to the church so closely that they'll become ties that, that never break or never untie. And here's why I say that. Because there's men in this house of God today that can be a father figure to your children. And you don't need to sign them up for a mentorship or anything like that. They can just catch it. It's, some things are caught, not taught, you know. And that's what I encourage those two ladies to do. You get them close to some, 
to this house of God. And within this house of God, there's some faithful Christian men who will know how to step in and fill in the gap. Because men, it doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a father today or not. Men, the Bible instructs us as believers that we start filling in the gap for orphans and widows. And so you can be that father figure. It doesn't mean like you have to go the extra, you, just, you can be a presence of the heavenly father in someone's life into maybe a family that is fatherless or because we've all been asked to take care of our own households, but also walk the extra mile dads with some authority and responsibility to, to step up and cautiously be involved in the households that are void of fathers and father figures. And guys, in just a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge all you men that are dads today and potential dads today to hold tight to five things and challenge you on that because I know you can do it. And, and I'm really challenging myself too because I know I can do it with God's Holy Spirit within me um, because our relationship with our dad deeply shapes who we are and who we become. And, and here's what I think is the greatest reason why our relationship with our dad matters most is because it shapes our view of God and how we relate to him. And so I just taught, taught, told you about that a lot of things are caught, not taught. And dads, our, our kids are watching us and they're, and they're picking up on what we're laying down. And so we're teaching them a lot of things by what they're catching. And we don't have to teach it. They're watching us. And there's kind of this, this perception of who you are. And as they perceive you, they're perceiving their heavenly father as well. And so why not become the man of God that God's calling you to be today, desiring you to be today and say, listen, I know there's some things that haven't you know, been perfect in my life. There, I've got a background, I've got a past, I've got a history. I need to ask for forgiveness, find forgiveness maybe with my kids so I can move forward with them. Let's do that today because the way that our kids are gonna view God kind of all comes from you, dads. And some of you, you know, have been wounded by fathers. Some of you feel like, you know, father guilt's real, like, right? Like, I'm not gonna ask, hey, I'm not gonna ask all dads to raise your hand. Is father guilt real? But father guilt is real. And some of us feel shame because we haven't walked extra mile in some ways. And, and let me just state it to you like this, the best way I can. What's most important is not the home you came from, but the home you're building right now. Some of you need to hear that. What's most important is not the home you came from, but the home you're building right now. What are you gonna do right now with the household that you're responsible for and have authority over? And some of you came from a home that wasn't very sympathetic to one another. Hey, you can change that. Learn from those mistakes and become a father that's sympathetic in your home and, and warm in your home. Maybe you came from a household where the father constantly overspent and like all your financial woes is because your dad just didn't know how to manage money well. Overcome that stuff. Learn from your dad and start managing your money well and start laying that down so your children can catch on to that, that we'd be responsible. Maybe it's about forgiving. You, you, you can't remember a time when your dad said sorry or asked for forgiveness from you. You can't remember that moment where any of that, um, you become that dad then that seeks to say to your kids, I am sorry that I didn't live up to your standards. I'm sorry I didn't make it to this thing or I'm, I'm sorry I let you down or I'm sorry I said those things. I didn't mean to wound your heart. How about you become that dad that you, you so desperately wanted but didn't get from your dad? And I think all of us need to kind of step back for a minute and all of us need to be realistic because uh, every single relationship we have has been broken because of sin. My sin, your sin. And there is no perfect relationship just as there's no perfect dad on earth. Like the Bible just says, all sin fallen short of God's glory. Like we've all missed it. We've all ruined the relationship with one another. We've actually ruined the relationship with God. And the one thing that God has done is he stepped in and he gave us his son as a savior so that that relationship could be made right. Today, how about you step in so that the relationship could be made right with your kid 
regardless of who created the offense, and, and you just say, you know what, I've been forgiven by my father, and I want to forgive my father, or I've been forgiven by my father, and I, I, I want to forgive my kids who have uh, offended me. What I'm saying is, dads, let's just soften our hearts a little bit, and let's become the men that God has called us to be. And, and some of you can capitalize on the bad things and say, I don't want to ever do that. Some of you guys just need to say, man, my dad did some good things, and I, I, want, to, I want to double that down. My dad was so good at leaving the pressures of his office behind and walking into the home and always had joy and always had a smile, always had a kiss from my mom and hugs for us. And when he walked in, he'd say, I'm home. And we were like, you know, puppies running to the door just to, to meet him and greet him. And he just kind of had this over-the-top, jovial way. His presence was known in the home. And I know he had a tremendous amount of pressure from his work. And yet he never put that on our shoulders, never put that on his wife's shoulders. He just was able to release that. He learned that from my grandfather who literally put a nail on the door of the front door and said that was there to help him to be reminded that all the junk from his job gets put on that nail at the front door and he walks into the house without all that pressure and he can walk back out, put that stuff back on that he put on the nail and get back to the office. That's a pretty good and unique reminder. Maybe you have a dad that was just honest in all the little ways, um, you know, like with the cashier. Hey, you've, you ever had that dad just like, uh, oh, uh, you gave me too much money back. You gave me 10 cents extra. Here's the 10 cents back. I was always the kids like, dad, you just made out, man. You got 10 extra cents. And he was like, no, 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 that's not mine. That's, that's theirs. And maybe it's the little things that you just can hold on to. And you can think about the little things that maybe your dad has done that you can continue to perpetuate and leave to the generation that's to come. But here's what I know. Satan wants you to, to be a deadbeat dad. That's what I know that. He wants you to be a deadbeat dad. He wants all of us that are fathers and fathers-to-be to come up with excuses as to why we can't invest into love and to forgive. And, you know, he wants us to just continue to live in a way that says, uh, I'm, 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 I'm away from my kids, but I'm, I'm providing financial support, and that's what matters. That's what he wants us to believe. But that's not true. As a matter of fact, the Bible just throws all that back on us and says, no, 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 it's not about financial support at all that makes you a father. It's really about leaving a legacy of faith that makes you a father. It's completely, I mean, the Bible completely redefines father for us. If you get in the Bible, you're going to really come into an aspect of what it means to be a dad because it has nothing to do with providing funds. It has everything to do with providing faith. It has everything to do with providing a foundation for your kids. And it's not about putting them in a position for success. And it's not about giving them an inheritance of money. And it's not about making sure that they're funded to go to college. It's about that they're funded for faithful things in the future and that they have a foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And how do you get there? Well, it's real simple. It's the everyday, regular routine things that you're a part of that is gonna contribute the most to your child's life. It doesn't matter how young or old they are. It doesn't matter where you're at in the fatherhood spectrum right now. Uh, BYU did a survey, Brigham Young University did a survey and said, kids, what do you remember most about your upbringing, about your dad and the legacy he left to you? And they never mentioned the overindulgence. They never mentioned the big Christmas gift. They didn't mention the big vacation. You know what they mentioned? They mentioned the things that, the little things that dad missed out on or the little things that dad made it to. Isn't that interesting? This the little things that dad did, the little things, the regular routine stuff that made the biggest difference to a child's life. And that's what, that's what these, these adult children remembered about their dad, which goes in line with exactly what scripture teaches us. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. It's page 145 
in the Bible in the chair rack in front of you. If you're at one of our campuses, it's probably on a table there that uh, is a, a Bible that we use. New International Version, page 145. Turn with us there. Deuteronomy 6, Moses has come down from Mount Sinai with those 10 commandments, and he tells the people of God, here's how we relate to God. Here's one through five, how we relate to God. Here's one through five, how we relate to each other. And then he has a special announcements for dads. Here's a special announcement for fathers. And he really says to the dads, listen up, because it's, it's gonna be on you to make sure that this is lived out. It's gonna be on you to make sure that tablet one and tablet two, the 10 commandments are gonna be lived out. He never says that to the moms. He says that to the dads because fathers have always been instructed to sharpen their children in the foundations of faith. Deuteronomy chapter six, look at verse one. We're gonna read all the way through verse nine. Moses says, these are the commands, decrees and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Verse three, hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Hey, dads, these words written in this book, these things that God has laid out for us are to be written right here on our hearts, right here on our hearts. And so this formulation of redefining your family begins right here as we redefine our life and our heart based on God's word. Verse seven, and from what is written on our heart, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. You say, well, what does that all mean? That means in the little areas of life, in the comings and the goings, regardless of what you're doing, start telling your kids about what's written on your heart. Some things need to be taught. Some things just need to be caught. But you impress them upon your children. You talk about these things, the little things and the big things. You bring God into the discussion the best way you can. It doesn't have to be like, hey, we're having Bible study at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. You be on the couch, ready or not, I'll be there as well. No, this is about, hey, we're driving down the road, and we're seeing some of God's creation, and you can just marvel together what God has done. Or you, you're driving on the road, and you see a, someone that is a, a, an abandoned motorist, and you, you stop, and you pull over, and it's the little things of just saying, do you have someone helping you out? Your kids are going to remember that kind of stuff. It's just the little things. Because here's what I know. Fathers get it done differently than mothers. They just do. They just get it done differently. Got a different approach to life. Got a different approach to life. I mean, this picture just kind of sums it up to me, the difference. The way moms operate here, we're on vacation, we're at some kind of fort overlooking the bay. Let's get a picture. That's great. Here's how dads do it. Did you see that in the picture? I wonder if little Johnny will fit down the barrel of this cannon. Hey, why don't you help me out and let's see if he fits. 
Like that just kind of summarizes to me the way that dads kind of approach life. It's, there's, a, there's a playfulness with kids that's different than mothers. We run around our house. We've created this little circle. Our house has this like a little track that we can run around and we run around, that we've almost rutted out the wood now because we've ran around that thing so much. And then we'll fall to the floor and we'll rustle together and my wife will yell, quit rustling. You guys are making so much noise. And we'll, both, we'll all say, we're just playing. We're just playing. You know, this is the way that dads play. And dads, the way that you approach life teaches your children that you can risk something in life, that you can risk something in life, that, not, that all things in life don't have to be played secure. And, and the way, dads, that you celebrate things are completely different than the way that mothers celebrate things. And dads, you also bring, just by your presence in the home, a level of protection that you may not even know that you bring to the household. Did you know this? The Atlantic Magazine did a statistics on those who were raised without fathers in the home as it related to teenage pregnancy of a daughter. And it had found out that those who are raised without fathers in the home, uh, the pregnancy rate drastically goes up for the daughter. But those who have a father involved, it drastically goes down. It's like a dad that's standing there and says, where are you taking my daughter? What time will you be home? Well, if you don't be here at that time, there'll be me and a shotgun waiting for you. You know, I can see that in death. We just go about it differently. And then as you shut the door, your, your wife says, you shouldn't have said that. And you're like, I'll say whatever I want to say to that young man, right? Like, that's my daughter going out there. Fathers, like, the fathers of old were asked, you start writing some God things on your heart, start teaching your kids some God things, start living out some God things. It's going to be caught and it's going to be taught and it's going to be impressed and you can, you can just kind of live out God day to day. You don't have to have a Bible study to get that done. You just start living out, you start living out God. And that word for impressed really means to be sharpened up. Isn't that great? That dad, you're just sharpening up your kids. That's what you're doing. Mothers are molding but by their nurturing ways, but you're the influencer and you're helping to sharp up. And, and every dad, whether you know it or not, regardless of your participation in the household, you're influencing the household. And I, I've discovered that critical fathers often create critical families and joyful fathers often create joyful families and sin-filled fathers often create sin-filled children and faithful fathers often create faith-filled children. It's just the influence that we all have. I don't know why we have it. I know that God has put on us as men a responsibility and authority in the household. And those two things go hand in hand, that responsibility and that authority. Some, of, some dads just want to carry authority without the responsibility, but it's really the responsibility to manage and to care and to love your spouse like Christ loves the church sacrificially and love your children as well. Boy, that's a responsibility. And when you have that kind of responsibility, you'll treat your authority with the right parameters that is needed to show your family love and to be sacrificial for them. And so today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to reach out to and try to change these five challenges that I'm about to lay before you and to say, I want that because that's what God wants for me as well. And the other thing I want to do is to deny the lie that it's too late to be a good dad. Deny that lie because father guilt is real. Father shame is real. Like you feel it when you, you don't make it to the, the, the pageant or the play or the recital on time. You feel it. You feel it when you have to say, I've got to go into work and you have to leave the home kind of like, you know, inconspicuously without anybody really seeing because you know you're going to expect heat if you walk out that door early again out of the house. You, you feel that guilt and you, you feel it when you can't be all things to all your kids and to your spouse. You can feel that. Deny the lie that it's too late to be a good dad. I don't care where you're at in the spectrum of fatherhood. You have a chance today to live out some things so that even your adult children can take notice of the change that God has made in you. Listen, my dad 
started to mature in his faith as I was becoming a junior higher and high schooler. And, and then I, I got to see that blossom and to grow where I saw a guy who was very hard-hearted become very soft, a, an ex-Marine that served in Vietnam that has just, his compassion just grew out of him. I got to see that busted heart open. That's my dad on the left. He's now passed away. That's my, my mother on the right. And um, man, he, he had taught me so much. The Bible talks about those spiritual mentors in our life. And, and that was my dad for me. And I don't remember really sitting down and reading Bible with him. I don't remember having a lot of biblical discussions, but he, he threw out so many biblical pearls of wisdom for me along life's route. He was able to live out Deuteronomy 6 to me the best way he could. And one of the things that he had me reach high for that I'm going to challenge you on is to love unconditionally. Dads, it's, it's this time that regardless of what has happened or what has become of us as dads, that we just love unconditionally. Um, I remember a moment when we were walking into a church service and uh, my dad and I were coming together. We, for whatever we drove together. I was a little guy. I was probably, I don't know, fourth grade or so. And this guy on a bicycle was pushing his bicycle rather than riding it. And uh, he had a flat tire and he came up to my dad perfect stranger and said, hey, you got $20 to fix my bicycle uh, wheel here. And uh, my dad didn't even ask questions, just opened up his wallet and gave him 20 bucks. This is like mid eighties. And I'm thinking to myself, dad, that's a lot of money. Like, why are you giving him 20 bucks? And I had like a thousand questions for my dad. Like, what's, you don't know what he's going to do with that money. You know, I was, I was just so critical about all of it. And my dad said, I, I, it didn't matter. He, he asked, I had, and I gave. And, you know, later do I understand in faith, that's a Christian principle. Give to the one who asks and lend to the one who wants to borrow. And, and you know, don't let, let your left hand know what your right hand's doing when it comes to giving. And he was so quick to give. It didn't matter to him. I mean, that could have been Jesus on that bike after all. And I mean, that's how our heavenly father is. He loves us unconditional. What was in my dad just spilled out into the home of that loving unconditional stuff all the way to strangers. And you know, the Bible teaches that our God is an unconditional loving God. And I had to pick that up. My dad didn't teach me that. He didn't say, hey, Matt, God's unloving, unconditional. He had to show me that, that that was the change that God was making in his life. You, you can show your kids the change that God is making you by loving your family unconditionally today. Maybe never been done before, but this could be the start of that day today because of God's Holy Spirit at work within you. Here's the second challenge. Lift your children to a higher priority than you do today. So wherever you have them at right now, you lift them a little bit higher. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 127, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're heritage from the Lord. <laughs> the fruit of the womb, they're a reward, it says. They're a heritage, they're, they're, they're a reward from the Lord. I, I don't quite understand that psalm all the way on that, uh, but I just know that, that what it's saying is, dads, you need to recognize that, that these children are precious and they were given to you and that you have authorities and responsibilities here in, to, to lead them to a place of faith. You know, my, my dad was one of those guys that he worked a lot. He worked a lot, uh, worked for Monsanto in the chemical division, uh, when I was young, he was working nights and then uh, finally got off that schedule. And he wasn't at, able to be at everything. And um, because of that, you know, I, I never really thought much about it. Um, but I really knew that he would double down on vacations. Like we, we, we did a lot of vacations. And uh, that, that's, that's us at the Grand Canyon. I think my dad's probably like, Matt, if you don't get over here, I'm going to throw you over the rail in just a moment. Uh, but you know, my dad had like, here's the three characteristics of my dad. He was like, uh, Wild Bill Hickok, Evil Knievel, and Jesus Christ, all those three. And sometimes Jesus Christ came out, but a lot of the times Wild Bill Hickok came out. Um, and I, I just remember, I just remember my, my dad being the one that's kind of like, you know, I know I don't spend a lot of time with you and I'm gonna make the most of the time and it's gonna be the little things. Like he would have me go with him on Saturdays to fix coffee for Sunday morning on Sunday. So he was in charge of the coffee ministry at the church where I grew up. 
and he had to prepare coffee for about 5,000 people. And um, he'd prep on Saturday. And I used to hate going with him on, you know, to do that, right? But he'd be like, let's go together. And uh, I'd help with him the best I could. And my dad would say, there's two things that are important for a church service to go off. Well, the Holy Spirit and caffeine. God supplies one, I supply the other. And, uh, and it's just, I just remember him like, hey, if I've got to go do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my son tag along with me. And it wasn't like, do you want to go make coffee with me? It was, Matt, you're going to make coffee with me. Because that was the time that he could spend with me. And he used his authority in that moment to say, you're going to go with me. Because he knew he didn't have a whole lot of time all the time with me. So he used that moment to say, I'm going to get you in the car. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about God. And as we prep coffee together, that's what we're going to do as well. Dad, it's just wherever they're at, just try to get a little bit higher priority. And, and I remember the time where he stopped chasing money and started chasing kids and God. And that was a good day for us. And here's the third thing. Look out for your child's future. Look out for your child's future. So love unconditionally, lift your children to higher priority. Look out for your child's future. Um, you know, I was, as a kid, really fascinated by beer commercials. Anybody that grew up in the 70s and 80s, the beer commercials were amazing. Let's all agree, right? They were great commercials. They're, you know, and they're like basically serving them the minors constantly on TV, it seemed like. And um, I was like enthralled with beer commercials. And so probably the second grade, totally enthralled with beer and commercials. My dad sat me aside and said, yeah, look, I don't know how to tell you this. Like, I don't even know if you know these words, but you come from a family of alcoholics. <laughs> like, you know, like, I remember this discussion and whatever you think this is so fanciful about and this thing that you think is on TV that they've mesmerized you about, it's not that good. And he says, look, I'll show you. And we go to the liquor store. Unconvin again, unconventional. This is the evil Knievel side of my dad. And, um, and, and this is a Saturday. So we're about ready to go to church and fix coffee together. And... <laughs> And he goes inside the liquor store and comes back with a six pack of what, what I knew at the time called near beer, meaning non-alcoholic beer. Near, it was nearly like beer, called near beer. And it had, it had the terrible taste without the alcohol. So I don't even know why you'd want to drink it. And so he says, here you go. And I'm, I know for a fact he got it warmed up. I know for a fact he got it warmed up. And he pops the top and he says, here, you can go drink this while I make coffee. You can go play on the playground and drink this. So I'm drinking near beer at the church parking lot in the playground. <laughs> And um, I remember him coming back like, well, did you like it? And I'm like, uh-huh, it's so good, so good. And then he's like pouring it out and recognizing I only had like one drink. And I know that was his way of saying, it's going to be terrible for you. You're going to absolutely hate the taste of this stuff. And, and that, having that conversation again about, listen, I, I know they might be, it might be fascinating for those commercials, but that's not the lifestyle that it brings. And it definitely won't bring the lifestyle for you and our family because our family uh, can't drink responsibly. And so just stay away from that stuff. And so look out for your child's future. I don't know how you're going to do that. My dad sent me to college. He never went to college. He made sure that he and but my brother and I went to, went to school. And that was important for him. He, he was a terrible student, terrible student. Uh, had uh, some learning disabilities, terrible student, learning disabilities. And, but that didn't matter. He was going to say, you're getting A's and B's. I don't know if he was like, you're going to live vicariously through you as it comes to school, but you need to do better than I did. And I'm going to make sure that you have a better future than I did too. And that's the way, guys, that's the way our God has set up our lives. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and to bring you hope for tomorrow. That's our God. This is how our father treats us, that God wants the very best for us. And he's establishing things for us. And he's saying, Here, here's the road to get there. And I want you to, I want you to get there. It's, it's, let's just look out for our children's future. Here's the fourth challenge. Learn to be patient. Okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not patient with my kids. Not all the time. 
Like any dads, I mean, the dads that are, man, show me how to do that. I'm patient with a lot of, I'm patient with work stuff. I'm patient with nearly everything in my life I'm patient about. But my kids, they know how to push some buttons. You know, and, and you probably feel the same way. Like, but I, I don't know why it is, but some, for some reason, I'm a short fuse when it comes to my kids. And, and I know I probably learned that from my dad as well. I remember playing catch with him oftentimes. And he'd say, you know what, Matt, I'm, I'm tired of chasing the baseball. <laughs> like, I'm tired of your bad throws. I'm tired of, you know, this or that. And, and he would just kind of like, I'm out. And he'd just walk away, like impatient with the whole thing. And I had to learn, I, I'm not going to be impatient like that. And I try to implement that the best I can. But sometimes it just gets the better of me. But that dad that is patient is more like the heavenly father than an earthly father. Let me tell you about the scriptures that talk about in 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. God's just patient with us so that we would respond to his salvation. Dads, let's, let's show our kids what patience really looks like. Because I would say that of all the things I've just mentioned so far, the loving unconditionally, making your children a higher priority, looking out for your child's future. Learning to be patient is probably the most difficult for all of us. Let's just adopt some of the principles that God can apply to our life and apply them to our kids and be patient with our kids knowing that they're maturing. They're maturing in the faith. They're maturing in life and they're not quite there yet. And so we'll be patient with them just as God is patient with us. Here's the last thing. Live to forgive. This is the big one. Live to forgive. Be quick to say sorry. Be quick to extend forgiveness and be quick to receive forgiveness. Live to forgive. Uh, my dad was pretty good at this. He, he learned this early on, I think. Uh, when he was 18 years old, he had a senior in high school. Vietnam was going on. He didn't really feel like he had much going on after high school, so he joins the Marine Corps. And uh, they send him on a couple summer vacations to Vietnam, as he would put it. And um, before he had left and went to boot camp, you know, he didn't care about his grades, so finals were going on. He decided it'd be a good idea to get on his motorcycle and climb. He, my dad grew up in Sullivan, Indiana, by the way, and then moved to Southern California. And uh, he got on his motorcycle and got up the steps of Sullivan High School, went through the open doors of the hallway and just revved his motorcycle up and went through the hallways of Sullivan High School and did donuts in the center aisle area and then flew back out. And I'm like, well, that's a crazy story right there. Okay. That's, that's the evil Knievel side of things. Um, and then I went and preached at First Christian Church Sullivan some years ago, and I met my dad's best friend that I haven't seen in a long time. He recounted that story, and he added on to it, and I had no clue. And he said, um, but after he did that, uh, the best friend said, uh, he hopped on the back. And so the two of them rode to Robinson High School, and the doors were open there in their hallways, and they decided to ride through the hallways on the motorcycle up and down until they were chased off there too. Now, eventually they were caught for doing that, and they got into big trouble for it. And I know that, like, that was my dad's life experience. He would get caught for stuff, get in trouble for it, and, and people would forgive him. And I know that led to him being quick to forgive in our household because the depth he had been forgiven in life. I think he was living in a lifestyle of grace, and so he would show us a ton of grace as well. And, and one of the things that he was good at was living to forgive. And, you know, some of us dads, we're not always good about that. We're not good about saying sorry. We're, we're, not a, we're not good about forgiving. We're not good about forgetting either. What, what if we just became like the father that's like the, the, the father in the story of the parable of the lost son who just, the, 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 the son leaves, does his own thing, says, dad, I don't want you in my life. And then 
the, the father waits patiently. See, that's where this patient stuff comes in. And the unconditional love st- starts to come in. And this, I want to give you a future, and I want to raise you to higher priority stuff comes in. And the son comes back, and dad, dad doesn't hit him over the head. Dad doesn't scorn him. Dad doesn't say, look at the mess you made, or look at all the things we have to pay for, or where's the money I gave you? He just says, welcome home. Wow, could we, could we have that kind of heartbeat, dad? I don't think we could. I don't think we could unless we have God's Holy Spirit in our life. I don't think we could unless we have, you know, God's word written on our heart. Then when we have God's word written on our heart, we can live to forgive like that. When we have God's word written on our heart, we can impress it upon our kids and love them unconditionally. When we have God's word written on our heart, we can lift our children to a higher priority, recognizing that father's shape and mother's mold. When we have God's word written on our heart, dads, we can look out for our children's future, preparing them with a foundation of faith. We can teach them to learn to be patient. We can live to forgive. I miss my dad so much. You know, Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. And that's not money. That's faithful stuff. And I'm so thankful that my dad's heart softened in life. And, uh, you know, he passed away in 2008, but the thing written on his gravestone there says, a compassionate man of God. I think that's a good thing to be known for. Just to have a warmth and a compassion and to be known as a man of God. And that's the legacy that he's left me. And dads, you have the challenge today to leave a faith-filled legacy as well. And you can get it done. Regardless of what the world says, your kids need you. Your family needs you. And they need you to be a faith-filled man who loves the Lord with all of his heart, his soul, his mind, and strength. You pray with me? God, you're good to us. You're a good father. And we want to be more like you. And whatever things we've learned, whatever things that challenge us in life, may we walk through them with your word on our heart, knowing that our children are learning from us by what we teach, what is taught and what is caught. And today, Father, may, may we just be able to, as dads, move through the dad guilt, the dad shame that sometimes applied to us. And may we just recognize today's the day that we can change it. Today's the day that we can receive your spirit. We can move forward with our families, move forward in our faith, move forward in our fatherhood. So Father, inspire us today to go beyond anything that we thought we could go to. Inspire us to be men that live and love just like Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name and we say together,